0: M S W Media. And now, here's the universe letting us know it really doesn't want us to have a promo from Pitbull. I was wondering if you could do me one quick favor, say, "Hey, this is Pitbull, and you're listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn." Pitbull 305, but it's. Oh. it's official. What are we? By the way, you dropped Dan out. Dunn. You dropped out for a second there. So you, your phone went out. Let's try one more time. Stellio Chico, Pit Boom, Mr. 305, better said, Mr. Worldwide.
1: Play with it, darling. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I think the universe does not want you to promote my show. Every time you do it, it keeps dropping out. No. But don't, don't worry about it, man. One more time, Gigo. <laughs> we'll do one, one more time, time. One more time, Gigo. One, yeah. one more time. I'll try one more time, uh, Here we go. I'm going to try one more time. All right. Stellio Chico, Pit Boom, Mr. 305, better said, Mr. Worldwide.
1: And it's official. You are listening to What Are We Drinking with Dan Dunn. game, play with it.
0: <laughs> That's good, man.
1: Will pour yourself a glass, sit for a spill. It's time to have some fun. Let's do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking. Well, this is what we're drinking with Dander.
0: Oh yeah, welcome to the show. I'm Dan Dunn. Joining me in just a few minutes, the yum yum foodie himself, Eddie Zamora, will be on the program. Eddie and I are gonna be drinking wine. Got a great white and a great red. The red is a Chianti Classico from Castello di Verizzano. The white, he's gonna be drinking a Riesling. I'm gonna be drinking a Pinot Blanc from a producer called Trimbach from Alsace, region of France. Although, being from Philly, I pronounce it Trimbach Alsace. I will be pronouncing it or mispronouncing it that way throughout the rest of the show. Again, I'm from Philly, and proper pronunciation is not our forte, or as we say in Philly, fort. So yeah, that's going to be happening. I want to invite you to follow this show on Instagram instagram wwd underscore podcast you can also follow me on instagram at the imbiber as well as on twitter same handle i'll be posting some video from today's show there and it's going to be perhaps some of the best video you've ever seen but you can't see it unless you go there so consider yourself warned My speaking of Philly, my brother, John, is a Philadelphia firefighter. My stepfather, John, was also a Philadelphia firefighter. Unfortunately, John passed away line of duty in August of 2004 fighting a fire. So I have the utmost respect for the men and women who put their lives on the line doing that job for us. Okay, I got an Instagram message recently from a guy at Fire Department Coffee. He asked me if they could send me some, and I was all over it. I just want you to know this is not a sponsorship. I'm just giving it to you for real here. So Fire Department Coffee is a veteran-owned business certified by the National Veteran-Owned Business Association. They roast their coffee in Rockford, Illinois. Illinois, that's right, Illinois. It's made by a dedicated team of firefighters, first responders, and, of course, coffee connoisseurs. They were inspired by the vital role that coffee plays in helping firefighters stay alert and energized through long shifts. I can tell you, again, from having grown up in it, you know, the long 12-hour shifts that these guys and and, and men and women are, are pulling. So it was founded, Fire Department Coffee was founded in 2018. 16 founder and CEO Luke Schneider is a full-time firefighter and paramedic U.S. Navy veteran and he teamed up with firefighter paramedic Jason Patton why do they reach out to me because among the many great styles of coffee they make they have a line of spirit infused coffees and they are good their signature spirit infusion process combines the flavors of bourbon, whiskey, rum, tequila with their best coffee beans. You don't have to worry about your boss catching you drinking on the job, okay? Spirit infused coffee is non-alcoholic. The alcohol is cooked out during the process, but leaves the subtle and sweet flavors of these real spirits. And I gotta tell you, I've been drinking the vanilla bean bourbon infused coffee, and I am really loving it. Every day I get up and I make my coffee and I and I take it out with me While I walk my dog and I have been so happy the past week drinking this vanilla bean bourbon infused coffee. And part of two is I feel good about drinking it because look, when we're in trouble or danger, firefighters and, and first responders, they race to our side without a second wasted without a second thought. So Fire Department Coffee Foundation is a 501c charitable organization that supports groups that help firefighters and first responders who are injured on the job, be it mentally or physically, or they're facing other serious health challenges. So each month, their first responder and firefighter support foundation directs 10% of net proceeds from fire department coffee, as well as other charitable gifts to support these worthy organizations or individual heroes who are in need. And again, having lived through, having lost my stepdad and, and seen the level of support that came in and how much that meant to my family in the darkest time that we went through to have to know that that kind of support is out there was immeasurable value to us. Uh, Forget about the, the actual support financial and otherwise that they gave us just Mentally, what it did to know that these people had our back, and and so if you enjoy coffee and you enjoy the fact that there are people out there that are willing to risk their lives to save your life, go to fire depart F I R E D E P T coffee dot com fire firedeptcoffee dot com and check it out. You know, buy some coffee and and I guarantee you're going to dig it. I guarantee it. The other night I was home flipping through the channels and one of my all-time favorite comedies I stumbled across old school anybody who's seen the movie knows there are so many hilarious scenes in that movie most famously probably at least in my opinion is the scene in which frank the tank which is played by will ferrell does a beer bong at a fraternity party do it up again got it's so good once it hits your lips it's so good <laughs> Okay, so this got me thinking about other memorable under the influence scenes from movies, and then I got my crack research team looking into it, and they came up with a few that I want to share with you right now. Let's start with a classic, Casablanca. This is the story of Rick Blaine runs a nightclub in Morocco. He's played by Humphrey Bogart, and in the scene that I'm about to play, Rick is getting drunk at the nightclub. Talking to Sam, the piano player. He of played again, Sam fame. Rick's life had gotten turned upside down when his ex Ilsa, Ingrid Bergman, walked into the club with her husband, Laszlo, a Czech resistance leader wanted by the Nazis. Rick's a mess, and this is what happened in one of the most famous scenes in film history.
1: Of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world, she walks into mine.
0: Next up, we got Bridesmaids, directed by Paul Feig, former guest on this program. Paul, great dude, Art Install, Art Install, I can't pronounce anything. He's got a gin, Paul Feig, and uh, he was on the show. This has got to be my favorite scene from that movie. It's an it's an iconic scene. Kristen Wiig's character Annie gets a little loopy on an airplane.
1: Big whoop. Okay, let's um, let's go take a nap. What do you say?
0: Miss, you cannot be up here.
1: Hey, hello, Grandpa. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just want to be here with my friends because I'm with this group. Um, the sign just went off. Can't you stay up here for a minute? Uh, absolutely talk? not. Coach, passengers are not allowed up here in first class. Really? It's policy. I'm sorry. Oh, this is a very, this is a very strict plane that I'm on. Welcome to Germany, mm. on foot right. as asshole. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, why don't you go? on? Um, I'm go gonna lay go down. take a nap. am yeah. I'm I'm there gonna take go. A nap. I think okay. it's a good idea. Catch you on the flip side, <laughs> motherfuckers.
0: I'm sorry. She's. I'm re- leaving. Thank you.
1: This should be open because it's civil rights. This is the 90s. Right. It's not. You're you're in the wrong decade.
0: Speaking of women who've been overserved, one of my favorite scenes from. A really, really funny movie, The 40-Year-Old Virgin, happens just after said Virgin Andy, that's Steve Carell, meets Nikki, Leslie Mann, while she's out celebrating a bachelorette party. Nikki is wasted. And Andy makes the mistake of getting in the car with Nikki, which I'm going to say right now, we never, never, you should never do that. Unless you're making a comedy, in which case, you get gold like this. Me an and Dan's like, You are such a B I T C H bitch! And then, like,
1: You're the bitch! bitch. You know? Uh huh, yeah. Well, who's your name again? Andy. Andy. Let me tell you something, Andy. Don't ever be named Dan. Dan rhymes with man, and men jerk off. And he was a jerk off. Do you know what I mean? Yo, look out! Wow.
0: Um. Now, Lost in Translation is a 2003 film written and directed by Sofia Coppola. It stars Scarlett Johansson, Bill Murray as Bob Harris. He's a fading American movie star who's having a midlife crisis. He travels to Tokyo to promote Suntory Whiskey and encounters a, a difficult director who makes himself understood despite the language barrier.
1: For relaxing times, make it Suntory time.
0: Cut, cut! 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 And finally, I cut, the best for last. My favorite comedy of all time is Team America World Police from the South Park guys. And towards the end of the movie, our hero, Gary, finds himself in a bar lamenting his lot in life. And Here it is. I'm completely lost. I've hit rock bottom.
1: Easy, easy. Whoa, you got to calm down
0: there, Chuck. I hurt people. I'm a dick. Oh, being a dick ain't so bad. See, there's three kinds of people. Dicks, pussies, and assholes. Pussies think everyone can
1: get along and dicks just want to fuck all the time without thinking it through. But then you got your assholes, Chuck. And all the assholes want us to shit all over everything. So pussies may get mad at dicks once in a while because pussies get fucked by dicks. But dicks also fuck assholes, Chuck. And if they didn't fuck the assholes, you know what you'd get? You'd get your dick and your pussy all covered in shit. All right, that does it. Get out of here, you drunk lowlife.
0: As the host of a show called What We're Drinking, people often ask me, hey, what are you drinking? When it comes to American-made whiskey, my go-to is Rabbit Hole. The unique recipes were created by their founder, a guy named Cave. He and his team at Rabbit Hole spare no expense in making their bourbon and rye. They have their own cooking methods and use top-of-the-line grains. They never chill filter, and they use barrels that are toasted charred and wood-fired, which almost nobody does. What you end up with is a line of bourbon and rye with these really rich, deep flavors that are unlike anything you've ever tasted. What are you having? It's a question as old as the bartending profession itself. And if you ask me, the answer is Rabbit Hole. Joining me now, he's a judge on Dinner Takes All on BYU TV, which I watch all the time, given my religious background. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, he is also, he's better known. I don't know if he's better known, but he's known as the Yum Yum Foodie. Check out his Instagram. He's got all kinds of cool stuff. He's always doing cool things, eating cool things. Welcome to the show, Eddie Zamora. Hi, Eddie.
1: Hello, hello! Nice to meet you, Dan. Thanks, brother. Thanks for having me on.
0: Great to have you on, man. And you know, whenever I have a yum yum foodie on the show, of course we drink wine because I think, As you, right, yeah. probably more than any other adult beverage. I think wine is associated with eating fine food, right? Yeah, I think so
1: too. It's funny. Um, it, there's a couple of things that that have happened in the past, like just few minutes, um, and um, and and it's how things will flip you. And what I'm referring to is you talk about wine and fine food. And I still remember going to a restaurant called the Rieger in Kansas City, one of my favorite cities in in the, in the United States to begin with, Kansas City, Missouri. And I'm sitting there and this is like a fine dining, smoking, badass restaurant. But they had the Buffalo Trace Antique Collection for like dirt cheap. Okay, so with my New York strip steak, I was like, fuck this. I'm not doing wine. I'm getting a glass of Thomas Handy Sazerac for 20 bucks with my friggin' steak. So I was there blown away by like the fatty steak with such a special whiskey. So I don't know. It's just funny that we talk about that. And it, like people assume find you know, find wine and find that. And I agreed most of the time, but it was wild how that moment I said, you know, what? screw this, dude, I'm going to have this expensive ass whiskey that normally in LA would cost me $80 for a shot. And it's 20 bucks. Uh, in KC, you know?
0: You gotta do it. We had, uh, Phil Rosenthal was on the show last week, the, the most recent, I say, I say last week, it's podcasting. You can listen whenever you want, but the most recent episode before you was Phil Rosenthal host of Somebody Feeds Phil, and Phil had a very, we were drinking uh Buna Havin, which is a, a scotch. And Phil, when I asked Phil to close his eyes and say, you could be anywhere drinking this right now, where would you be? And he said, Peter Luger in Brooklyn with the steak, oh, yeah. whiskey with the steak. There it is again. Yeah, yeah. Well, we we've got wine, and uh, I, oh, we've yeah. got a, we've got a white and a red. I'm. We're going to start with a white, I think. And I just want to kind of jump in. We're drinking. It's a Trimbach T R I M B A C H, not to be confused with trim back, which is what I've been doing with my hair uh, during quarantine. I've been trimming it back. It looks <laughs> pretty good, though, right? Don't you think? It works, man. Absolutely. <laughs> Oh yeah. Now you're drinking. You're drinking the Riesling, right? Yes, I'm drinking
1: the 2018 Riesling.
0: Okay, I had an issue with my Riesling. With <laughs> uh, a cork? It wasn't. <laughs> Let's just say the bottle was compromised. I'll just say that there was fair enough. It Got wasn't it. corked necessarily. There was an issue that I'd never seen before, but that happened. So I've now moved. I'm going to drink the Pinot Blanc. And you're gonna oh, drink. Cool. You're gonna drink the Riesling. And I think what'd be cool about this is then maybe we'll get to get a little bit of the uh, the a little bit of both on this. And 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 uh, Eddie, not so much like what you're your tasting. i will give you a little bit of background about this about this place. You know, th- for three centuries, thirteen generations, they have been making this wine. It's a very lively, fruity, elegant wine. Again, the Trimbach family dates back to 1620 six. Jesus. Which wow. is like okay. Bernie Sanders old. That goes back. And this That's is about, in and this is in France. In <laughs> exactly. Yeah. This is in Alsace France is the region. This particular wine that you have is 100 percent Riesling. It's a very well decorated wine. Wine enthusiasts always in the in the low to mid nineties on wine enthusiasts with their and uh this one gets aged in the cellar for several years. Before it winds up in the bo- before it winds up in the marketplace, excuse me. And it's twelve point five percent alcohol. It's a European wine. You're going to expect it to be a little bit lower in alcohol, which I enjoy. I'd like to know what do, what's your take on that? Do you like bigger, higher alcohol wines? Or do you like the more European style, lower alcohol wines? I mean, t- to be honest with you, I, every time
1: I think I don't like something, I get turned around and I find a version of it that I like. So I, I, I guess it just depends on the mood, and it depends on where I am. Um, you know, if, if I'm visiting Napa Valley, then I know what to expect. And I know that's what I'm going to drink. If I'm drinking old world style wines, then this is what I expect. But, you know, unless I'm in Puglia and I'm drinking like a high alcohol Primitivo or, 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 you know, something, something from the, from the South of Italy or Southeast Italy, uh, regarding this Riesling. I mean, first of all, I love Riesling and I tend to like the dry Rieslings. And I find that this, you know, this, this hits me exactly where it's supposed to hit me and where I want it to hit me. I would serve this up. Uh, at at my house any day of the week. And it's uh, it's just enough fruit. It's just enough fruit. It's like a nice soft off the palate. And uh, I want, I mean, you know, to use all the cheesy terms, but it's elegant. It's a nice, elegant, it's a nice, elegant Riesling. And I feel like, and, and I looked it up and, and at the price point, I think you really get what you pay for with it.
0: It's 30 bucks. And uh, I'm not, I'm so I'm actually trying the other wine, which is, uh, again, which is a Pinot Blanc. And this is even cheaper. They're about twenty six dollars a bottle. And I, to me, this is just a a glug glug. Well, this is a, a very very drinkable wine. I'm just this is just the wine at the end of a, a nice warm day, a spring day, a summer day. You yeah. want to sit back, kick it back. That's what I want. This is just crisp and clean, and it, it's a very pure expression of that varietal.
1: How's the acidity on it?
0: Not you know you know what it's it's right there. Really nice Perfect, balance yeah. on it. It's it's. It's, you know, traditional dry style, I'll say white wine. And if you like that style Mm -hmm. of wine for $26, you can't beat it. But the Riesling, I think, is the wine that they're better known for. Are you getting, I mean, is it that kind of, you know, with me, when I think about a, a very dry Riesling, I think about pineapple, tropical meats with some peach. And are you getting any of that stuff in there?
1: Yeah. I get I get I get peach, and it's funny. I get like a maybe it's just because I'm Cuban. I, I I find guava so much flavor wherever I can find it, and I get that just that little hint, uh, that little essence of, of guava, which is something that I love. Like I would be my my only problem with this is I would end up going through too many bottles of this in an evening, and and like if I when I have you know when I could have friends over, um, I would be grilling, uh you know grilling fish or grilling chicken and rocking some of this while I'm grilling. Yeah, And then, you know, then maybe I'll have more, Maybe <laughs> but,
0: um, I imagine your life when I think about what you do. And I, especially when I'm on your Instagram, again, the yum, yum foodie, you cook, you do a lot of cooking yeah. on your own. You do a lot of demonstrations, yeah. show a lot of videos. I, I just imagine you at home, you got, you got the great kitchen going, you got the bottle of wine going. It's a very idyllic sort of, when I think about that, you know, and, it, and it's something that you see in, a, in pop culture all the time on tell, Hey, let's cook and let's say, but it, there really is something to it. Isn't there like just preparing a meal while you've got a bottle of wine open, maybe some music playing. I mean, it just mm-hmm. grounds you, right?
1: There, there is a, it, it's an experience. So, uh, maybe right now I'm not able to travel as much as I normally would, Um, But I feel that with with something like wine, it transports you. It's that little slice of that particular place in the earth for that particular year, for that particular time that they grew it for that particular. So it's that that little slice that, that can't be necessarily replicated from everybody from year to year. And and wine always so I'm drinking now. Uh, well, so let's say I'm, I'm drinking the riesling, and then I'm looking at our at our other wine, at
0: the red, and, which we're gonna get to at at the yeah. red,
1: and uh I uh, each wine to me has an essence of a story behind it, and my own memories, besides the wonderful histories that some of them might have, but my own memories, I guess, are what I are are what I attach so much to these wines, and I think of my my first. Uh, my first time I had like a, a an actually a, like a nice Riesling was on a cruise ship. And it was actually it was a really nice Riesling, too.
0: Do you remember? Do you remember where you were? I remember
1: I was I was on I was actually on a cruise to Havana, Cuba. Uh, and that was one of the wines that I had on board the ship before getting to the port of Havana from Miami to Havana. Yeah, that's where I was. I don't remember which uh, Riesling it was. I just remember, you know, look, because I'm a, I'm a wine whore. So I'm gonna go and look it up later, and I'm gonna be like, "Where is it?" But and I saved it somewhere on my phone, um, but I can't remember off the top of my head which one it was.
0: So we know this is the 2018 Trimbach Riesling, and 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 so everybody knows when we talk about Riesling and the Alsace region of France, this is the most important wine grape variety there in that mm-hmm. region. It, arguably, you know, definitely in quantity, and and arguably in quantity or in quality, but it's just. The I feel like Rieslings from that region of the world are just a little bit richer and maybe more generous than you would get say from the from the Rieslings of Germany um mm-hmm. and I think it's that sunny micro the, the, the mesoclimate that they have over there have you been to that region of France before I
1: have not that is it's funny I'm on my bucket list as far as wine regions are concerned um just France in general I have, my grandfather my grandfather was French, and he his family grew wine in, ironically, in uh, southern Spain. Even though my grandfather was French, they were uh, outside of Barcelona. They had vineyards, um, so it's it's at the top of my list as far as wine regions to visit. Is just I mean, Rhone, Alsace, of course, Bordeaux, but just really go and spend some time in France. I haven't been yet. Have you?
0: Have I been to to France Alsace? or to, oh, to Alsace? No, I have not been. No. Um, I've been all over France just not there but mm-hmm. i like you i can't wait to be unleashed <laughs> upon the world again and get oh, yeah. to go this time this time last year when this podcast goes up i will i was in ireland and i was oh, right touring on. some distilleries over there doing doing the show and i knew covid you know we knew it was around we knew what was going on but i i know i didn't even then i i didn't suspect no idea what was coming and even when we shut down and they remember they were saying two weeks it's gonna be two weeks and i thought to myself how the hell what what am i gonna do for two weeks by my how am i gonna make it how am i gonna make it
1: i know man lots of wine. i know i actually
0: i had it in december
1: and it destroyed oh, you, me you got it i i did it kicked my ass wow. and um I'm in good shape. I don't have diabetes. I don't have any any kind of health conditions, and it, it and it trashed me. Uh, And I was I was pretty jacked up for for pretty jacked up for a good week. And I lost my sense of taste and smell for five days. And that doing what I do scared the living crap out of me. Absolutely. That is my you know that is my bread and butter. That's what I uh, not only what I love to do, but I think you could take away my eyesight before you would take away my my sense of taste and smell. It's just that's that's
0: it's it's that's, very scary. Yeah. My my well, I don't want to say on the show. Someone close to me got it, and she reported that she lost her taste and smell, a sense of taste and smell for quite some time. Yeah, and she was genuinely frightened. She said, "You don't realize." How much how miserable you can be when you're just chewing Absolutely. food and that's it. You you can't smell it, you can't
1: taste it. Yeah, I, I mean, I got I got very ill at first, but I had my sense of taste and my sense of smell. And then uh, when my fever broke for a few days, and my you know my my lungs were in really bad shape. But after that, that kind of broke, and I started to feel going going on the up and up. I said, you know what, man, let me make myself a New York strip, and I'm going to pour myself a whiskey while I'm sousuing my New York strip, and I'm just going to have like a nice. You know, I think I, I poured myself a Stag Junior, uh, which is one of my favorites, like 131 proof. It's it you, you taste it.
0: It's a serious it's that. a serious
1: whiskey. Yeah, it's and anyway, so I go and, and I get my steak and I pour my whiskey. I take a sip of this whiskey, it tasted like water. Uh, and my steak tasted like a shoe. Shula, yeah, and that's what I knew.
0: Oh man.
1: And it might, I had already been stuck at home. Anyway, yeah, so and, and I was like, I can't fathom not tasting these these beautiful experiences because i've basically basically created my life now around
0: that me and you both brother <laughs> i'd be i'd be it's an eye-opening thing i would be shit out of luck as well so yeah, i want you yeah. to do, I, then i want you to do this now that you can i want you to i want you to take a sip of that that Trimbach riesling close yeah. your eyes take a sip and imagine a meal in front of you with this wine here we go you're you're gonna take a sip pour, pour yourself I'm, I'm a little more Get,
1: pour yeah. myself a little bit more
0: and imagine what you're going to – if you could have any kind of food with this, what are you going to do? Mm. He's tasting. Mm. He's thinking. I know,
1: right? But Sorry. Actually, I take this seriously. Um, if I was going to have any food with this, I would probably be in, in Barcelona um, and I would be doing a – a parriada, which is like a grilled seafood grill out. Oh. And I'd be chomping on, on, you know, they call them gambas. I'm Cuban. We call them camarones, but shrimp. And that's what I would be doing with like some garlic. And yeah. Yeah. That's oh, what I would, man. I don't know why, I want to be there right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to Barcelona, Eddie. Let's do it. Know, Screw dude, it. Thumbs up. Let's do this. Man, that's just that. You know what? That just, mm-hmm. and again, I'm not drinking the reason I'm drinking, I'm drinking a different white wine, but I'm it, it, just the, the idea of that just sounds so amazing. And I think anybody out there that's listening, you know, hopefully this summer we're going to be able to start doing some of that stuff a little bit more where you have more people around you because let's face it, this is it's such a communal thing it, for me, mm-hmm. and I, I think for so many people. Yeah, sure. I like sitting at home, and I've gotten used to sitting at home drinking wine, especially during this year-long quarantine situation. But, but there's just nothing better than sitting around with some friends and popping corks on good bottles of wine and and making good food. And and you know, you you really highlight that so well on on your Instagram and on your way on the things that you do. I mean, it, it, yum yum fruity is a celebration, obviously. Of food, but also of, of of adult beverages as well.
1: Yeah, I mean that would I would say that, that would be the catalyst to 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 how I started doing this was was a it it still is it's a genuine passion for this, and it's also a genuine feeling of if if I can do it, you can do it. If I can enjoy it, you can enjoy it. Because I was the most uh, I don't want to say uneducated, but let's say novice person in the world of of food and wine. And it was a a meal in Barcelona that I had visiting a dear friend of mine who was studying abroad uh, that kind of made me feel like my entire life, I was looking through a foggy set of glasses and it just like wiped them clean. And uh, that was, and little did I know that 10 years after that meal, I would begin this journey, uh, you know, this this Yum Yum Foodie quote unquote journey uh, to kind of showcase those things for people and, and and, and it, it also drives back to a little bit to my my grandfather who the my, my French Spanish grandfather and he, he he had Alzheimer's unfortunately but one of the things that I remember from him in his in his illness was all he had were these phenomenal memories from back then and even in his worst days of illness they really couldn't ta- they could take his present memory away but those fond memories, these meals that I get to have, those experiences they couldn't take those away. And he still had those. Um, and, and it just shifted for me. Something shifted for me where I thought more about creating memories than you know the car that's in your driveway or whatever. That's, I, I couldn't care less about that.
0: Did he live in Cuba? Did he live in France, Did he? So he grew up between
1: Nice and Barcelona. So he spoke French Catalan, he spoke Spanish. and then uh, when the Nazis crossed the French border, they fled to Cuba. And ironically, my grandfather was born in Cuba on vacation because back then it wasn't just like jump on a plane. It was put your car in a boat and take the boat across the Atlantic, go to Cuba, and you spend a month in Cuba. And ironically, that was when my you know, great-grandmother, I guess, would have been pregnant, and my grandfather was born in Havana, Cuba, while they were on vacation from either France or Spain. I don't know.
0: Wait, your, your grandfather was born there while the family was escaping the Nazis? It was born when they were on vacation.
1: And then they come oh. back from vacation, and he grows up in the south of France and uh, uh, and Spain. I guess going going back and forth. Uh, he loves fishing. He lived in in you know the, the fishing areas of, of of those towns. And then once you know that was happening, where where the the you know the, the Nazis crossed
0: over, you start thinking, you know what, Cuba's looking pretty good right now. The Let's go there out of here. Isn't that, yeah,
1: it's not fucking crazy. And then that's how, at least on on my mother's side, my grandfather ended up in Cuba, which is just wild.
0: So were you born in the States or were you born in Cuba?
1: I was born in North Cuba, which is Miami, Florida. Uh, oh. Yeah, I was born, in, in, born and raised in Miami, Florida.
0: Born and raised in Miami. Do you, have yeah. you, do you get to go back to Cuba?
1: I've been twice. Uh, I've been twice to Cuba, both times on uh, with one of one of the, the brands that I work with who, who traveled to Cuba. Uh, and I was blessed enough to go on the inaugural trip, on their inaugural trip to to Havana, this brand. And uh it was I mean it was a, a really eye-opening experience for for me to see kind of your origin story.
0: And how is the what's the food culture like in Cuba?
1: I mean, it's a challenge because there's not a lot of food. Uh there's food for me as a tourist that can spend euros and dollars and all that kind of thing. But for the locals, um there's a saying that we Cubans say and uh, in Spanish it's I can resolve, which really just means I gotta make do, I gotta resolve. In other words, you're always solving problems. But means to resolve and they're always trying to figure out how they're going to, okay, I got steaks from Joe. I'm going to trade this with Joe for steak because he was able to get some steaks. And, and it's that kind of a thing. It's like this crazy barter community system. Now as a tourist, I was able to experience things that the Cuban people can't. And I had uh, there's a very popular dish, uh, Cuban dish called langosta enchilada. It's a, uh, it's like a lobster in this, in this red sauce. Um, like I saw, not spicy, but an acidic tomato sauce, and I had it in Cuba, and it was probably the best one I'd ever had. Uh, ironically, because I really expected the worst, just because of circumstances. And no, it was that that dish was that dish was outstanding. Like the cocktail culture in Cuba is great. You know, a lot of a lot of rum drinking, but there's oh, some sure. cool, of course, some cool yeah. cocktail spots. Yeah, Um, but the food was. I was pleasantly surprised, but then at the same time it's it's it can be a little saddening knowing, you know, knowing the background of it that you get special treatment because you're you're spending money from another country.
0: It's pretty incredible just when you're telling your story now. It's gotta keep you humble. When you think about your story and the things that you get to do with food and the places you get to go and the things you get to experience, to think that your family had to escape the Nazis had to go to and then they go to Cuba and then they got to fucking escape Cuba to get here. And, and, yeah. and it's just, it's pretty, like the struggle is so real for you. And I got to yeah. imagine, it must really give you a lot of perspective on, on where you are now. And
1: yeah, I don't, I don't take a second for granted for what I do. Um, and I'm so, I'm so blessed. I mean, I don't, I don't like to say, lucky i think lucky sometimes is a term that's used because that, i've worked my ass off i have a, an extremely hard work ethic so i don't i don't take luck into into account i mean there always is some kind of luck and some circumstance but i think you i think there's opportunities in life all the time you just have to be mentally there to to realize that they're there where some people are so in their head or, or whatever so i i'm very blessed and very lucky in that sense to uh to, to i guess have the wherewithal to be present to it but yeah man i, I don't take a second for granted when i know I know what my parents went through, you know, both my parents, what, what they went through. And when they came from Cuba, they didn't come with the intention of staying. Their intention was to go back to Cuba. That, you know, that did not end up happening. Um, my, you know, my mother, my mother left Cuba, I believe when she was 18 years old and she died at 66 years old, never going back to 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 where she was born.
0: Never got to see it again.
1: Never got to see it again. And for me, getting to see it in the first time, it was an extremely emotional experience for me I can't you know I, I can't put my finger on on how you feel but when you grow up the way you do or the way I did and, and then to go and, and be there and and see the people and and actually feel because uh, you know Miami is yeah it's a huge Cuban population but it's still you're not on the island it's a different experience there so to see that firsthand to smell the ocean firsthand there to open up a bottle of rum, uh, go to La Bolita Medio and have a mojito there or go to a Floridita and have a Hemingway daiquiri there and, and really, like, experience that, man, you know, you pinch me. Like, I, I'm if if today is my last day on earth, I have done so much. I've been so lucky. My mom is wherever she is knowing that she left so that I could have, you know, not even knowing that I would exist one day, but that I could have the, the opportunities that I have now. And I don't take it for granted. I'm always supporting uh, people that, that kind of like following whatever their—I know it sounds hokey, but man, no, it, especially it this mad. last year. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm all about like follow your dreams, whatever that is.
0: I was watching one of your videos, and and you were talking about how the smell of coffee evokes these memories of your mm-hmm. parents, and you were you were real, and I was getting emotional watching it.
1: I appreciate that.
0: What is it about coffee that that <sighs> makes it stirs up these memories of your parents?
1: Because in and you, if you grew up in a Cuban household. Coffee is because not everybody drinks, not everybody, uh, uh, not everybody goes outside and has a cigarette. But coffee is something that most of the population of Cuba drinks. And whenever anybody would come to my house as a kid, it's like, Oye, who's gonna make café? oh, yeah, who's going to make cafe? Oh, you're going to make cafe. And it's just the smell, the, the sound of the percolator on, on the stove. So I'm pointing at my stove, the sound of the percolator on the stovetop, uh, the sound of we do something called espumita, which means foam and literally, it's just a pile of sugar. And they put the initial drops of the percolator coffee in there, put it back on the stove, and they whip it to make like a foam. And then once you pour the coffee back in, the little foam comes up to the top, and it's like a sugar foam, basically. Those things just conjure the the best memories of my life, which are growing up in Miami in the 80s, You know, fam- family coming over, Celia Cruz music playing in my house, and coffee is one of the things that Espresso in particular just makes me think of my hometown. Uh, uh, We have something called in Miami called La Ventanita culture, culture. And we call it, we don't call it La Ventanita culture, just called La Ventanita. Ventanita is a little window. A ventana is a window. Ventanita is a little window. And every just about Cuban restaurant in Miami has a little window with a little bar across. And you just walk up to it and you order your espresso from sometimes a happy or sometimes an ornery old Cuban lady who's just going to make your espresso and it costs you 50 cents. And then, you know, you talk politics or you talk whatever with whoever the people are around. You talk about the dolphins game or the Miami heat or whatever. Um, and, and, and those, those memories to me, I cherish them so much because I grew up in such a great time in my hometown. I saw Miami become what it's become now. <laughs> sorry. It's a long story around it, but coffee does that for me. No,
0: man. I, I you know, and, and honestly, you, you, you said it earlier in the show and and it's so true. It's especially, and I don't know what your economic background was, but I can tell you like mine, we didn't have much, you know, but we did my mother's family's Italian and my dad's Irish, but my, my mom's side of the family, Fabrizio especially. Mm -hmm. So food was so important and so much care went into it. And it, and it was a thing you had, you know, much, but you know what? My aunts, my grand, they could make a, fucking mean pasta they could make a mean lasagna everything yeah. was homemade everything so we we might not add a lot of creature comforts we didn't but those smells those when you were talking about that i remember my grandfather used to make coffee in like a tin a tin pan like tin uh, uh pot a little tin pot yeah. he'd like make it in there and you know and he and he'd have the cigarette going and all that and all of those smells would mingle and it was such an integral part of my childhood and i have been in places especially europe where I've maybe gone to small towns, small villages where they don't have as many bells and whistles. They don't have the, the, you know, the, the, the latest equipment or whatever. And they're still doing things that, that old school way. And it, it's almost overwhelming. Every once in a while, I'll catch a whiff of something that reminds me of such a simple time in my childhood where one the great pleasure you had was whatever that meal was going to be that night, and uh, you know it, it can really move you to tears. And you and I are going to have a we're going to create a memory right now with a red wine. Here we go. Let's, do Remember, this. let's we because we do have some red. And uh, oh, yeah. this one, and, and by the way, I love screwing up the names. You can probably help me, even though this is a ten. But it's C- uh, Castello di Verrazano. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Yeah. I I think think so. I'm saying that right. Yeah. R- okay. I,
1: uh, I would think with a double Z. Does mozzarella have two Z's? So maybe Verizzano.
0: Verzzano. Okay, yeah. Or maybe just
1: I'm trying to think because you know mozzarella is two Z's and it's it has that T C H kind of sound. So maybe it's Verizzano. I don't know. I'm making this shit up.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's, we can make it up. So sure. they this is a uh, this is a winery. Luigi gotta love it, right? Luigi and Silvia, Capellini. <laughs> that's who makes it, and uh, they produce these traditional organic wines that have a. This winery has a really great following around the world. They've been certified organic since 2014. This is in, a, a Hilltop and Grieve, which is in the heart of the Chianti Classico region, which is in Tuscany. Mm-hmm. They've got a yep. 220 acre estate, 120 acres of vineyards, gardens. It's just amazing. And this castle that surrounds it. It's been around since the 10th century. And these vines have been cultivated since 1170, man. Those even, were
1: before Bernie Sanders. Even
0: before Bernie. <laughs> There's some soul in this. And the one we're drinking right here is the Castello de Verizzano, the Chianti Classico 2017. This is 95% Sangiovese, which is a, the dominant grape mm-hmm. over there. It's aged in French oak for 12 months. It does another four months in the bottle prior to release. And I'm excited to try this one. It's a, this is a $28 bottle of wine. Everything, you know, that what we're having tonight for all this under 30 bucks, you can't beat it. Right. So let's, let's take a sip of this and see what we, what we get here. Ready? Mm.
1: Oh yeah. That's good. Nice, nice firm tannins. No, it's nice. And, and it's, it's funny because Chianti was one of those grapes or Sangiovese in general was a grape that. Uh, it goes to show how your body changes because there was a period of time in my life where I didn't drink as much of it. I also couldn't afford the good ones. So, you know, it's one of those things where you get one that's like not ready to drink and you drink it. You're like, eh, not so much. This is killer for under 30 bucks.
0: This is dry. I, I think to me, it, it's, it's a dry yeah, wine, absolutely. very soft tannins, uh, you know, the red fruits, there's a, a tiny little bit of mint I'm getting, you're getting a little mint on it, um, it's a really steady. It's delivering what you want out of Chianti Classico. If you're a fan, like you said, it's it's an interesting thing you say that because not everybody is a fan of Chianti Classico. I friggin' love it, right? But I do have friends that don't don't like it, especially I love it, yeah. Out here in California, especially because I think it is a it's so different than what oh yeah than what you're Absolutely. getting out here than the wines <laughs> yeah. that you're, that, are, that that thrive in California are a very different than what you're getting in from Chianti. So, but this, if you like it, I mean, now what would you, let's try that again where you take a sip of this. now what do you uh, think about it? Get that thing going. And now what? What? Do, where are you and what are you eating? um so look the focus is, look at it. Do you take your time? Look at
1: you. So this takes me, this actually takes me back to a, a, a great memory that I have. And I was so jet lagged, but I still remember how great this memory was. And uh, I had just gotten to to Florence, and I was staying at a hotel within a stone's throw of the Duomo. It's a beautiful dome right there in the heart of, of Florence. And my first objective when I got there was like, dude, I need to get on the fucking roof of this hotel. And I need to have a glass of wine, and I need to see the damn Duomo in front of me. Like, I just need to see it right there. I need to see what people walk by every day, and they're so used to seeing it that they don't give a shit about it. And I get to be... So in awe of experiencing that. So I think I had up there, I remember I had like this nice crostini uh, uh, with a lo- local, it may not have been a, a mozzarella, but it was definitely that style of a cheese uh, with fresh herbs on top. And that is what I'm remembering right now. So thank you so much for unknowingly bringing this memory back to me. I appreciate Cheers, it. Man. Cheers.
0: And and you bringing that up just brought me back. I've been to Florence numerous times and, and man, the food culture there is so good. I'm so good. You know, what's funny for me. I had never had gelato before I went to Florence for the first time. Okay. And I, I knew I nearly orgasmed. I think having the gelato, that's an image no one wants in their head right now, but it was the first time. If you have gelato for the first time and it's right off the square in Florence you know, yeah, I think I, I think I had just come from the Uffizi Gallery, which you know, oh, and one of the so most beautiful. amazing yeah, art amazing. galleries in the world. And then I went and I got, and I'm like, you know, I'm gonna try this gelato. And I think, I, and I was, I, I remember it was chocolate gelato. And holy shit! <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, yeah I mean, for you. that is heaven. That is just pure heaven, and. uh, and again, it's amazing how just sipping this wine can can take you back there, can take you back to these memories. Now let's try it again. The pronunciation of my screen Castello di Verizzano. You want the tss, tss, I would on think the z's,
1: so, but I you know I think so. Just because I always try to think of it of, of words that I know in English and how they're pronounced as Italian words like mozzarella, so I would think Verizzano, I think I don't know. And,
0: and what's cool about this is you just feel it. Look at that bottle. Look at this bottle right here. This guy's not fucking around. This guy on this bottle. Oh, no. He's serious about his wine, right? Yeah, yeah I don't know. He'll, he'll get angry at me if I don't finish the bottle. That's- you know <laughs> when you drink this, you know when you drink this, it's not going to taste like Boone's Farm. You know what I mean? Like this Correct. guy, this guy would not be on the label if it's going to taste like Strawberry Hill. This is serious wine.
1: There's a history to it. And I, and I get flashbacks from Chianti because I worked at a, uh, one of my first jobs was at an Italian restaurant in Miami. Um, and, you know, back then I, I couldn't look at a wine list and know what anything was, but I do remember, uh, the Pianti Classico that they always had. And it was like the little wicker, little, little wicker oh, bottom bottle that would turn it. into, that were turned into candles later. Um, and I used to be that, you know, quote, it's, it's been many years since, so I can get away with saying it now. I used to be that kid where if somebody left like a three quarter bottle when I went to bust the table, that cork would go back on and it would make its way into my backpack um of course man uh and i remember just 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 really really fond uh really fond memories and then it's it's like an old friend i i lost touch with chianti for x amount of years and and then i would say as recently as like three years ago i started getting back into appreciating not just chianti but Sangiovese in, in general brunello and and uh, uh, all, all the all the Tuscan region wines.
0: Do you know Eddie? Because when you brought this up, I, I don't. I don't actually. And it's I'm embarrassed to say. What's the deal with the wicker on the bottle? Because now I'm remembering, like when I was a kid, we, what? Why is the wicker on the bottle? Any idea? Do you have? any idea? I have idea?
1: no idea. And in my jokey mind, I'm like, people are so shit faced that they just need something that the bottle won't tip over if they accidentally
0: hit it. <laughs> I gotta. I gotta find this out now. If only there was some invention. That would tell like us like <laughs> <laughs> if only there was something uh, that would tell us, I'm going to, you know, all right, let me, let me wicker.
1: I opened this up about an hour before, uh, you know, before we got on and I'd like to see an evolution of wine. And I'm, I'm sort of, I'm sort of kind of into that. So I poured it and I always take a sip and then I'll sip it again in 30 minutes. And then that kind of thing. And it's really nice how, uh, cause you know, it's a 2017. It's only a four-year-old wine, but it feels like it's got so much age on it, uh, more more than expected. You know, of course, it doesn't taste like a twenty-year-old uh, wine, but it definitely does not taste like a four-year-old wine. It definitely tastes like something you can drink now, or you can lay down for a minute.
0: Uh, James Suckling gave this a 94. Rock on! This is a, a wine of of m- m- no mean merit here, and for again, for that price point, you can't beat it. Are you? are you thinking about when we come out of this? If you, you mentioned earlier sort of your bucket list, if you could go to any, any wine region or two right now, when we get out and you can travel again, I mean, where do you want to go? What's top of the list?
1: It's so my, my two tops are, I I can't just say like a particular region. I have to go country by country. Um, So yes, France, you gotta get because I've I've done some wine tasting in Italy. I have not been blessed enough yet to do Tuscany or Piemonte, which you know. I'm uh, as much as I love uh, San Giovese, I love Nebbiolo, and I love Barolo as well. I think they're they're like almost uh, I don't know like like one of them is Dan Marino and one of them is Joe Montana. They're both they're both superstars, right? I would also like to do. I'm a big big fan of uh, Tempranillo. So if you give me get me to
0: Rioja, Rivera del Duero, Priorato. So have you been, have you been to Rioja?
1: No, I have not.
0: Okay, so what I will say to anybody out there in terms of wine tourism, Rioja is incredible, not just because of the wine and not just because of the vast differences between the big producers and these little tiny producers, but architecturally, you'll find buildings in Rioja that are unlike, you'll find old school, look like castles, wineries, but then some of the most mind-blowing modern architectural wonders. I'm talking about wonders. These are wineries. I've never been anywhere else, and I've been all over the world going away. Yeah. I've never been anywhere else that is more striking architecturally and more diverse than Rioja region of Spain. And as Eddie said, I mean, the wines are fucking amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I well, you know... It, when 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 I started doing this and you know I wasn't having wines blessedly sent to me to taste and I was going out of my own pocket I found that you get so much bang for your buck with the wines from Ribera del Duero with the you know like one of the most iconic wines from that region is a a wine called Vega Cecilia Vega Cecilia Unico and if that wine was a quote-unquote French first growth, like, you know, Chateau Shield or, or Chateaubriand or, or – or, uh, sorry, the names are – some of the names are alluding me right now. But those would be $500 a bottle. But sure. Vegas Sicilia Unico is still a lot of money. It's a $200 a bottle, but you're getting the creme de la creme, let's say, international creme de la creme wine for a third of what it would cost if it was the creme de la creme of France. And I find that – I always found that interesting. And I don't know, it's, it's, uh, I, I just like the diversity too.
0: By the way, just so everybody knows the, the, the Gary, Frank Gary designed the Guggenheim in Bilbao, Spain, which is, it, and then the winery is called uh, the Marques de Resca. Uh, you say M A R Q U. Yes. Yeah. That's in, and, and it's, What's you know, and it looks like, if you've seen the Disney concert hall, <laughs> uh, that's what it looks like. And it, it's it, but it's pretty striking that that's a, a winery.
1: Oh, and it's, and I love that wine too. I think that's a solid bank for, that's a quote unquote bank for your buck wine. If you're, if you're trying to get introduced, let's say to Rioja right now and you're like, you know, I want to get a good expression of Rioja, but I don't have a ton of dough. You can get the current release of Marquez Rical for, I don't know if you're a Costco member, sometimes 11 bucks. And it's crazy. It's crazy. And I want to say the current release is like a 2006. That's another thing about Spanish wine is they hold on to their shit for a minute before they put it on the market. It's like eating over there, you know? Yeah, it, uh, yeah. Buy, go go look for a 2006 Napa wine right now and see how much they're going to charge you. Exactly. It, it ain't going to be $11 at Costco, and it's a reserve, you know?
0: Well, here, here's the thing, Eddie. You know, we had these great wines here. We had French. We had... But now you've thrown out so many other wine varieties that you like that now it, it, we have to have you back on. You're going to, we're going to have to do, gonna uh, you. we're going to have to do Nebbiola. We're going to have to do Barola. We're going to have to do Tempranillo.
1: I'd be honored. Uh, cause I, I, one thing that I, that I, that I do or at least I think of is I've actually never had Psalm training and that's been on purpose because I like to look at things as a consumer. Um, and I like to kind of read it on my own as a consumer. And I like to learn about what the grapes are and all that kind of stuff. So I love to explore those wines with you as just a, a pure consumer who, who, who likes wine, likes wine a lot.
0: You know what, man? It's, it's a deal done. We'll, we'll do it soon. Eddie's more. It's, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show. Everybody yum, yum foodie. Get them on Instagram. It's a, it's a really great, you got to follow there. Anything else you got going, Eddie, you want people to know about right now?
1: Uh, well, I will be launching a, and I will, now that we're on the air, I'm going to ask you this now, cause I want you to be a guest on my podcast, which should be launching, uh, in the next month and change. And we will be talking about booze and we'll be talking about wine and food. Um, so I have a, a podcast that I'm working on that I'm really, really excited about it. If, if you can tell, I like talking about food, wine and travel. So I'm excited about that. And, and then of course, I'm, you know, dinner takes all.
0: You heard it here first, Eddie's Mora. Been a pleasure, man, and we will have you, we'll see you back here soon, and I'll see you on your show. Cheers. And finally, I should leave you with a funny. An American, a Frenchman, and a Russian are stranded on a desert island. They build a shelter, and they catch fish for food. One day, they catch a magical golden fish who cries, if you spare my life, I'll give you each two wishes. Amazing, says the American. I wish for a million dollars and to be back home. Poof, he's gone. Sacre bleu, shouts the Frenchman. I wish for a million euro and to be back home. Poof, he vanishes. The Russian is amazed. For you look at that, he says. And just when we were getting along so well. Tell you what, just give me three cases of vodka and bring my friends back.